0: to the Casting for Fun podcast. This is episode five. I am your host, Albert Pineda, and joining me tonight is my good buddy, Marcelo Ambriz. Marcelo, how are you? How are you, man? Good, man. I'm great. I feel like uh, I haven't seen you in a long time, so it's kind of good to see your face. It's good to see you too, man. I think that the last time was under not necessarily the best of circumstances. I want to say it was probably a Joy Welling's funeral.
1: Yeah, Um, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. I totally
1: forgot about that. Yeah.
0: But uh, Um, so so how have you been?
1: I've been great, man. I've like, you know, uh, I've, you know, things are starting to open back up. And so, you know, music industry is up and running and, you know, there are some bit of like uh, snafus that tours are catching because of COVID and having to postpone because artists or crew have like gotten COVID. So, But other than that, I think we're like, well ahead of like, where I think I thought we were going to be. So, and, you know, we're resilient, you know, the human race is pretty resilient. So I think um, it's like, we're, you know, we're taking steps forward very cautiously, but still like, you know, it's, it's progress from where we were two years ago. So
0: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. So, uh, for those who don't know, I mean, I'm sure most of my friends who do know who do know Marcelo is that he's been quite the established photographer. Has had some many wonderful, amazing experiences shooting a lot of his favorite bands and bands that I don't know if you necessarily would have liked before, but maybe came to love since you've been shooting them. So we're we're gonna get to that. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, when I do customary for the show, uh, all the guests who come on, is there anything that you want to plug in or talk about before we jump into your uh, photography uh, ex- uh, experiences?
1: Um, let's see. Plug in. I. I. I mean, I, honestly, I currently don't have a lot of things going on right now. Um, but, I mean, if I could recommend anyone, if I could recommend something, I think I w- it would be for. Uh, people that check out this, pot, I mean, this uh, docu series on Netflix called Abstract, and they take a lot of different um, like art disciplines, and they pick a person who excels in that, and then they have like a whole docu series on it. And I'm only saying it right now because I know you all talked about the Super Bowl last week, yeah. But the person who actually designed the designed the set and the whole yeah basically the layout of the set was this woman uh set designer named as Devlin and i mean long story short she's amazing at what she's done she's worked with Kanye in the past she's worked with the weekend she's worked with lord uh blur i mean you name it she's done it and she gets paid very, very handsomely for what she does. And so uh, so if you like music and you like the visuals of music in concerts, like that's a really good episode to check out. Her name is E-S-S-Devlin, D-E-V-L-I-N. So it's definitely worth checking out.
0: Yeah. Okay, awesome. Thanks for the recommendation. Uh, you said yeah. uh, Abstract on Netflix? Yeah, Abstract on Netflix. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, I'm definitely going to check that out. Okay, so... Uh, for those who don't know, so Marcelo is the photographer. He's done professional photography with some really established, uh, really awesome bands. And I remember you mentioned it before for a post that you did on social media several years ago that this life that you've gotten to enjoy was because of your love for the band 311, which is a mutual love that we both absolutely love that band. And yeah, to many cities to see them. Uh, so, first, I wanted to kind of get the background on that. So, uh, for 311 itself, how did you get into them? How were you introduced to them back in the day? And what do you think it was that kind of sparked your interest in 311?
1: Yeah. So, I, I have to go back to my time as a high schooler. There was a girl that I was super into, and she had mentioned that she really liked 311. And so, I'm like, oh, I'm going to. I'm going to see what this band is all about. And I remember buying the blue album for her for Christmas and I bought it at a blockbuster music, which I don't know if people remember blockbuster music, but you could actually like listen to that CD before you actually purchased it. Oh yeah. And so, yeah. so I went to the one in West Covina and sat down and uh, popped in the, you know, the blue album. And I mean, that, I, it, it just was like exactly what I loved, right? Because I loved uh, Bob Marley. I loved I loved punk rock and I loved hip hop. So it was like the melting pot that I was like waiting for musically. And, you know, like they weren't the first to do it, but those were the first people that I was like introduced to. And so um, was huge into 311 and then. I I met Derek, a mutual friend of ours, Derek Dupre, and he was into 311. And I think, like, the power in numbers, like, really sort of uh, made what I thought was, like, just a normal obsession into, like, a legit obsession where we were all traveling to different places to go see them. Uh, I think famously, and Albert, you were already in the MTC or a year into your mission, but... The the weekend before I got set apart to be a missionary, me, Tom, uh, this guy named Brad from Laverne. Yeah, I um, know Brad and Nick Brad, Nick, and uh, and Ross Barron's son, Josh Barron, we all flew up to (laughs) we all flew up to San Francisco and saw them at the war field. And then I flew back on a Monday morning or, and then I got set apart. And, and then Tuesday I left for my mission.
0: That's crazy, man. I actually have heard this story from Nick before. In fact, if I remember correctly, you guys had to sleep on the airport floor, like before you to catch your flight. Was that yeah. right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the person who was vacuuming the ground definitely did not care about us. So <laughs> they were like vacuuming, like right by my head. So, it was, <laughs> it, yeah, but so anyway, so like I had this obsession, I, I met Derek, we all like really hit it off and we went on our missions, I came back and I really just wanted to, I mean, with this obsession, I just wanted, really wanted to get close to the band and the only way I knew how to was to shoot their shows and so I would go to some of their like live uh radio interviews that they would do on Hollywood and Highland, um, K-Rock would do it. And Stryker was one of the guys who was interviewing. And so I just noticed one of the managers, just like hanging out, and I asked him if like I could shoot their shows. And they said, sure. And so the first show I ever shot was at the Long Beach Convention Center. And it was, uh, so Medesky, Martin & Wood opened, the roots open and then it was 311. And it was wow. like, I mean, come on. Uh, that, that was such an amazing lineup. So from there, like I'd just been shooting and shooting and shooting and then got really close to a lot of the band members, one in particular, Essay is like a really good friend of mine now. And they were like, they basically, I mean, looking back at it now, like I was just doing a bunch of free work for them. Yeah. But it actually set me on like, sort of this crash course of this like path where I'm like basically working for bands and shooting bands and then, you know, on tour with them. Like I've been, I mean, I've been like super fortunate to to really travel around the world uh, photographing bands. And, you know, I've, uh, there's a lot of things I feel like I've missed out on, but, I mean, there's just like no way in hell that I would um, like ever regret, you know, the path that I chose. So, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a great situation, great ride so
0: far, you know. Awesome, man. Awesome. So I do have a kind of a follow up question with that. So today, there's lots of like aspiring photographers, lots of people who are wanting to get into it, because like the equipment yeah. so readily available for everybody, very accessible. So it's interesting to me that you essentially just kind of met the right people and were able to ask and say, hey, can I come in? I mean, uh, to me, it doesn't seem like people could really jump into it that way today, back when versus when you did it in like the, the mid 2000s, right? So yeah, I think yeah. was it more of like uh, your, I guess, I, I guess you, your portfolio, like what you've already were you able to present to them so that they would, hey, we us take an interest in this guy when you presented it to them back then.
1: I mean, I didn't really have much of a portfolio, so there was really nothing that I could show. But I mean, I think I, I think uh, artists are actually easier to contact um, now and managers are, too. Uh, but it is a lot of, uh, I mean, there's just a, like too much, there's a lot of noise in the sense that there are so many people emailing or texting or trying to get a hold of artists, but it's it's doable now, but back in the mid 2000s where like blogs were big versus like social media platforms like Twitter. I mean, Twitter didn't even exist, I don't think uh, then. I, I mean, I may be wrong, but um, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, Back then, there was less noise, but it was the entry. Like my entry to it was, I think, sort of a uh, a perfect storm of like my enthusiasm to do stuff for free, which is like the key there. Yeah, yeah. And just you know, as a photographer, you're only you're only as good as the photos you allow people to see. So. Yeah. So, you know, of 200 photos that I may have taken, there's as long as there's like 10 good ones, people don't care about the other 190. So I was able to show 311 that, you know, hey, you can trust me. Let's work together. And they just were able to they like afforded me that, you know.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Awesome. Awesome, man. Yeah. So so with the connections that you've made, I mean, a lot of it is a lot of some of the bands are represented by s- some of the same people, right? So there was the instance when you got to shoot Incubus at the Wiltern where Nick and I scored tickets. And then so there's that show. But I'm interested about like how you came about to get in contact with management for the new kids on the block and how you came about shooting their show based on the contacts that you'd already created through. Uh, 311 back in the mid 2000s
1: yeah so um it's it's actually like kind of like a a pretty cool story so i was supposed to go to barcelona to teach a bunch of kids um how to photograph but that fell through but um in accepting that job i basically uh had to cancel a bunch of a bunch of gigs that i had and then one day um i was with a friend that i hadn't seen in a long time And long story short, later that night, his friend was like, hey, do you know anyone who is a photographer? And he's like, oh, yeah, Marcello, I just saw him today. Messages me and he goes, hey, someone's going to get in contact with you. And then and then like in that excitement, I messaged. uh, So they asked basically they were looking new kids on the block were looking for a a tour photographer. And so in in that excitement, I actually texted S.A. Martinez. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm like, yo, guess what? So I might go on tour with New Kids on the Block, and he's like, oh, that's crazy because our former tour manager is their current tour manager. Let me, let me, let me text him. Let me send him an email and let him know that you're you're up for the job. And so, uh, so essay uh, messaged uh, Dave Brown, New Kids on the Block's tour manager, and said, hey, this guy's cool, like he's worked for us you remember him and then he goes oh yeah if you vouch for him i'll vouch uh i'll vouch for marcelo to you know um who like for whoever asked like if their management is going to ask me what do i think i'm going to tell him i'm just going to write him an email so so he so dave brown messages their management and we had a, a lunch meeting set for a Wednesday, and Wednesday morning, Dave Brown sends their management a message saying, hey, this guy's cool. He's already, I've worked with him before, show up, and their managers were like, hey, so we got an email from Dave Brown saying that you're cool, so there's not really much we need to do here. So they brought an NDA, non-disclosure agreement, and I signed it, and then we just had lunch. And that was it. So my connection with 311 and the work that I did with them and just like the portfolio that I had in uh, this connection that I had with their tour manager, like really, really, that was a perfect storm. And so from basically from 2013 to, you know, currently I uh, I do
0: pretty much everything with 311. I mean, I'm sorry, with New Kids on the Block. Dude, that's awesome, man. And I guess uh, for, for bands like that, like nostalgia is a big thing where lots of people like, know they want to come out like you know they're they're selling out arenas right so it's actually been really cool work for you to do
1: yeah I mean honestly I mean I fall into this uh trap all the time when you know when you kind of like make fun of a tour or make fun of an artist for like oh are they how are they playing Staples Center it's like man like you said nostalgia is like a really powerful thing And if it's like the one concert that they're going to go to in six months, it's going to be a fun concert. It's going to be a fun thing. And there are a lot of people who are not like us, Albert, or like, remember we used to go to shows all the time. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we love to do, but there are enough people who spend, you know, who go to one concert a year. And so there are, there are a ton of them all over the, the, all over the country. So they end up, Going to these nostalgia shows, and they just have the best time in the world. And then it's usually sold out. Like Niki's on the Block, has had multiple sold-out shows. But I mean, if we're looking strictly at the money, they're just making a ton of money. I mean, it's it's they're making so much money that it's dumb for them not to go on tour.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned before about having a good relationship with essay. So I imagine that a lot of the bands you've gotten to shoot. You've gotten to have good experiences hanging out, just uh, talking like you would normally with like you do with your friends. So I want, hoping you could share some of your best experiences you've had uh, backstage with people, whether it's been 311, The New Kids, any other shows that you've shot?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, like, honestly, I think for me, the most important thing uh, is just having the trust of the artist because then you do become friends. And so, I mean, um, I mean, uh, I wouldn't say that they're like meaningful, like crazy experiences, but it's really a collective sort of like relationship and experiences that I've had with a lot of these artists that just make it such a beautiful thing. Like, um, uh, what was it? Um, uh, with, um, give me a second. I'll, I'll let me just remember. I mean, just like um, with Donnie, Donnie Wahlberg, mm-hmm. We, we actually, uh, we had a day off in New York and he told me to go meet him at his, he has an apartment because he films in New York, but he lives in Chicago. Um, he was like, hey, uh, let's go shoe shopping. And he brought like six of us up, out there and then we went shoe shopping and he spent like a ton of money without like blinking, you know, just like tons, ton of money on shoes for us. And it's like sort of like this relationship that that I've been able to curate and like really um, grow with these artists that like they treat me like friends and I think that was that's like a really important thing. Um, let's see, uh, uh, working with like uh, S.A. Martinez and like just going, uh, you know, crate digging, looking for records on days off, and it's like those those simple things that you sort of experience with people, um, that make it more meaningful than having like these crazy experiences backstage. Uh, and there's some stuff that there's some crazy stuff that's happened backstage that, you know, uh, like, I mean, like walking in on Donnie Wahlberg, uh, fresh out of the shower, uh, fully, I mean, like he's got a, you know, a towel around his back but getting danny wood to like dry off his back in a very like sort of very caring and nurturing way and i took a picture of it and every year donnie somehow loses that photo and he's always asking me to get it for him. and it's just like replaying that moment and being in toronto and it was like some i think it was danny's birthday that day and you know just those things like it's just fun you know like it's just a collection of experiences that make it like really worth like just really fun you know
0: yeah i think uh, all my female listeners that i have just went crazy right now you know, telling <laughs> that. sorry the few that i have
1: <laughs> right 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 right
0: but uh, no i mean
1: uh, uh, they're all like really great people you know i i I, I, don't, I think i've i don't have i've never encountered an artist that's been like rude yeah and, and i've been lucky to have that experience you know
0: yeah, uh, I want to do a plug-in for you. When when you were just talking now, going record shopping with Essay, it just reminded me that hey, uh, Marcello's work's actually been featured in a 311 album. Not not just um. getting the short on tour, but actually in, inside the album itself. The album in question is uh, Universal Pulse. And yeah. I've been collecting vinyl myself. I think you've seen that I've been posting my records on social media. I've yeah. been looking for that particular one. I can't seem to find it. I don't know if it's out of print, but. Uh, I guess if you ever come across it, let me know, because I definitely would love to have it just so I can have your your picture. Yeah, oh,
1: that's cool. Yeah, I actually, I think I may have a copy of it. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I don't know why this is, but uh, uh, S.A. Martinez has like a really big collection of uh, records, uh-huh. but he always seems to have like five or six copies of his own album. Oh. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't think it's him like, you know, it's not a, 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 a like a holier than thou. Like my stuff is so great that I need five albums. I just think he just has five albums.
0: Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Uh, so, along with the, the going on tour with and getting to shoot, you know, having these great experiences, you've gotten to travel to so many wonderful, great cities, not just sure. within the U.S. but around the world. What's some of been your favorite travel destinations that you've had? Um, I mean
1: anyone who knows me knows that I love, uh, England. I'm, I'm, um, I wouldn't say I'm an Anglophile, but whatever is a step down behind, uh, underneath like an Anglophile, that's, that's where I'm at. Um, I loved going to South America. Like Buenos Aires is like a beautiful place. It's like basically Europe with Spanish speakers. Uh And I guess it's like Spain, you know, like it's a beautiful spot, but, uh, Uh, Japan. I've been to Japan a few times. And honestly, that place is amazing. There are like beautiful curated vinyl bars where, you know, the Japanese love music. In fact, so much so that there are still uh, tower records
0: in Japan. Oh yeah, I saw that. Uh, there's a documentary that uh, Colin Hanks did about the, the yeah. Rise and Fall of Tower Records and they mentioned that, that it's the only last standing one in, in the whole yeah. world, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, there. in fact, in Tokyo, I think there are three locations and I've been to two of them and there's one in Shibuya and it's six stories. And they oh, yeah. have they have, I think, one floor dedicated to K-pop and J-pop, uh-huh. uh, like K-pop and Japanese pop, yeah, like boy bands, it's it's uh-huh. it's crazy, and they have the same old listening stations where you can listen to different albums. But you know, it's beautiful. It's a, it's it's amazing. Um, Japan is such a great spot, and even you know, just to wrap this part up, is there's this great bar called JBS Bar, JBS Bar, in Shibuya. And there's a guy named uh, Kobayashi-san who has wall-to-wall vinyl in this like small bar where the drinks are like five bucks and he chooses like a record. And based on that record, he'll choose another record. Like he won't go, it's not like a jukebox where he's like, Oh, I'm going to listen to Smash Mouth. Now I'm going to listen to R&B. Like if he's listening to soul from the '70s, he's staying within that genre, and he knows where all the records are. And it's just like a beautiful, beautiful thing. It, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's really a sight to see.
0: Yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. So uh, changing gears just a tiny little bit. Uh, so obviously with your photography, you've gotten to use it. To, to do it for uh, for touring with bands and taking pictures for them. But you've done it also for a hobby, for other things, too. So what I wanted to discuss briefly was maybe your favorite shot that I – that my, my favorite shot of yours that, that you've oh. done, which would be uh, – I don't know if oh, – hold, hold on, hold on, oh, hold on, hold on. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me guess which one it is. Okay, guess what my favorite shot that you've ever done. Yeah, you have a print of it. I It's do. the Kobe shot. It is the Kobe shot. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> Good guess, Marcelo. yeah. So, so that that shot. I mean, again, if you didn't know when Marcelo actually took the picture, you could just look at the players on this on the picture itself and say, "Hey, okay, Kobe's on the floor, Paul Gasol's on the floor, Lamar Odom, Trevor Reza, and Derek Fisher. Okay, that's got to be the the 2009 championship team." So and uh, I don't wanted...
1: don't forget that CP3, uh, Chris Paul is in that because he was playing for the Charlotte Hornets at the time.
0: Uh, New Orleans Hornets, right?
1: uh i think I it mean, was charlotte at the time
0: charlotte, oh was it okay okay yeah but the, the game I was definitely at staples center because yes. they're wearing their, their gold so the shot's just amazing just kobe dunking and then actually the, you see you see, it's pretty cool like one uh like uh big mexican guy's got his arms stretched out like really cool like, yeah love your shot it's actually really cool uh so explain to me how you're able to get those type of shots when again you're not you're not courtside you're just sitting as a regular spectator but you have the equipment And you have the talent to be able to catch a shot just like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's all like, and you know, you have to anticipate really, um, what crazy is like what most people don't really know is that, um, there's a team photographer and he actually has, they're called strobe lights. So it's like, if you go and get your, your photo taken with like, you know, in a fancy setup, um, um, He, the team photographer has those set up all in the rafters. So when he takes a photo, his shot is like well lit. Uh So when Kobe was going up, uh, I was like, oh, I got to take a photo of this. So I took three photos. The first photo was, you can't see anything because it's completely white because of the flashes. Mm -hmm. And then the photo that I took that, you know, that you like. And the one right after is another completely white photo. So, you know, it's Kobe. And, and it was kind of like, maybe he was like slightly in the decline of his career where he wasn't like, you know, prime Kobe. It was just a little bit after that. But man, he's just so capable of doing amazing things that I knew that if he had the ball, he was you know, he was going to do something special. So it's just like knowing what your subject might do and just you know if you know them well enough you can almost anticipate what they're going to do so in that you know the years of photography that i've done you just have to anticipate and just shoot when you can and bam that's what happened
0: so you would also apply those same techniques when you're uh shooting a show right i mean you you know the the mannerisms of 311 particularly i think uh uh, peanut who tends to be the most animated on stage yeah be able to catch sh- shots like that right
1: yeah and you know like um, maybe I feel kind of bad because I I kind of cheat uh, they help me cheat because <laughs> so I'll I'll uh you know be right in front of peanut or right right in front of essay and then they'll come to me and like really like play to the camera and so if I'm being honest, it like doesn't really help me out because I'm just not, uh, I'm just not ready for it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's like pr- they come out with some like pretty amazing shots. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they definitely help me out with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome, man. Dude, this has been a great conversation. Yeah. I love hearing your stories, man, and getting to a little bit more background. Because Actually, I don't know if I knew all the details about the, the 311, I'm sorry, the, the new kids on the block. 311, I did know. Yeah. But. The uh, new kids. Uh, any other experiences you want to share before we wrap up? Shoot, I mean, um, I mean, uh, just
1: kind of going along with like how my relationships with other groups have like led to other work. It's like working with New Kids on the Block. I ended up working with uh, another group called Fifth Harmony, who won like an America's Got Talent type type show, uh-huh. and and then from there, I also then started working with another gal named Sabrina Carpenter who was like in the reboot of um, uh, remember Boy Meets World? Yeah. Yeah. So they rebooted it and it was like Girl Meets World.
0: Oh, I, I heard about that. That was with uh, uh, Topanga and uh, Corey's uh, son, right? Oh, daughter yeah. Daughter, daughter. daughter.
1: yeah. So then I got to work with them and then, you know, it, it's just, it's been a really just being able to like kind of parlay one relationship into years of work has been really great, you know? There, you know, there's some people that I wish I could shoot for, and I have shot for like maybe once or twice, Mm -hmm. but I I mean, it's still really great uh, having worked with the people that that I've, you know, worked for these last couple of years, because honestly, it's, I honestly never really imagined this this type of work for me like back like 15 years ago
0: yeah absolutely man so you mentioned back in the beginning you know with uh COVID restrictions like you know being lifted and things you know getting better for the world uh do you have anything coming up in the next uh year or next uh year or so for for gigs coming up for you
1: um you know if I'm gonna be completely honest the last two years it's sort of like really uh kind of I've, I've decided that I don't want to tour anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, man. I mean, listen, I have been lucky enough to tour pretty much nonstop for the last 10 years. Uh, And so my very first tour, I sat down on tour bus and some guy was like, Oh man, I've been on tour for like 35 years, man. And, you know, and then I'm like, man, how does that happen? Like, just traveling nonstop but then I'm at like the 10-year mark now and honestly the last 10 years have felt like nothing Mm -hmm. and uh you know during the pandemic being home like I have this healthy obsession with tennis I play tennis basically every single day and knowing that if I'm touring I can't do that Mm -hmm. and so I've actually started working with new kids on the block management and doing some like, um, some like you know auxiliary stuff for them at home, and and I work from home, and you know, you know, just basically wherever I'm at, I can play, I can, I'm sorry, I can work. So, uh, I've been, you know, trying to see if I could learn more about the music industry so that I can stop touring, and I can continue like in another path. Because I mean, I've been lucky enough to, you know, do this type of work. And basically everything that I've wanted to do up to now I have. And so I'm sort of changing my focus to something different to see if I can flourish in that too. So
0: awesome, man. Well, good for you. Good for you, dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but
1: in saying that, yeah. in saying that really quick, I am going to have sort of a gallery opening uh, with a bunch of my stuff later this year that my friend is going to help me put together And it's going to be at a place called The Cube um, in downtown Los Angeles. And so it's going to be pretty much like a warehouse full of my photos. So um, we're working on that right now. Uh, We're having discussions about it. And then it'll probably start taking shape during the summer. But come fall, that's when it's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And I can't wait to see that. So uh, yeah, yeah. Keep, keep me posted. I'll definitely uh, do plugins for you to get as many people out there and uh, definitely count me in to go check it out. And I'm, uh, and I'm sure my wife, Allison would love to see it too. So yeah,
1: yeah. And also, I mean, uh, I'm glad you're doing this podcast thing, because I think you have like a good voice and you don't say um nearly as much as I do. So yeah. <laughs>
0: You know, I want to try and get better at it. I, I want to try and open up more. And actually, it's, I, I talked about it with Nick and, and Tom and Tyler that just the, uh, the technology is there. If we just want to take oh. the advantage and use it, then we can. You don't have yeah. to be good. You don't have to be a professional. But the more we practice at it, I think the better we can be at it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm having fun doing it. This has been pretty cool for me. That's cool, man. That's cool.
1: Also, I, uh, whoever's listening to this, I haven't seen, I haven't seen you in a minute. And
0: it looks like you're getting some white in your beard there, my friend. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. having a five-year-old daughter would do that to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, no, my beard's on man. the side of the my head too. am yeah. starting to look like uh, Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic <laughs> There you go, man. Good. Okay, it's been fun, man. I'm glad we had this opportunity to chat. I'd love to chat with you another time too. Maybe even get Nick to jump in too. To, to oh my to gosh. <laughs> I mean that that'll get funny. <laughs> okay. Any last things to plug in? Are we good? Uh I
1: mean just uh watch that documentary. Also, um, I mean a little something on the lighter side. Uh the best you guys should go try the beach plum uh LaCroix because it is so tasty and it's awesome. probably one of the best LaCroix uh flavors
0: that there that there is out there. So okay. Yeah. For sure, man. Thanks a lot, dude. Okay, yeah, Marcelo, yeah. it's been such a blast. Thank you for making the time to chat with me and we'll definitely do this again soon. Yeah, dude, I appreciate you reaching out. Thanks, man. Okay, take care, man.